Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. So welcome along. Um, and uh, we, we're, I'm starting a, a funny little series, but in the lead up to Easter, it's kind of not the normal sort of thing you would do just before Easter, but... I just feel like um, in the preparation for what God is bringing uh, to this church and uh, what God is doing, we need to talk into, into something that is important for the life of our church um, and for, our, for, this, for, for whatever you like about this place to actually continue on. Um, uh, I'm just going to, over the next little while, next couple of weeks, just be talking into some subjects that have the power to disassemble anything you like about this place. And one of these things is actually gossip and slander. I'm going to be talking about that this morning. Uh, and you're like, oh, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't come for that. I came to, for the positive message, you know, you know, the nice sort of thing that tickles my soul. And, you know, there's a temptation as a pastor to shy away from uh, the, the un, uh, I don't know, the subjects that, 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 you don't want to talk about. It's almost like we could just keep it positive all the time, you know, and actually, you know, around the world, there are churches like that where it's just always positive and, and no one's really ever challenged. They just feel good all the time. But, you know, if you want to feel good all the time, there's, there's plenty of drugs for that, you know. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, right? I'm not advocating the use of drugs. I'm just saying... You know, there are lots of people out there that think it's all great and all awesome and all amazing and yet they're not growing, they're not changing. And the problem with that is that they're not going into what God has for them. Do you understand? God, God has, has territory for you. And uh, what you have to understand about God is this, that he, he, when He calls you by name, He's actually calling you as His son or daughter. In, in other words, you know, when you become a follower of Jesus, your, your last name doesn't change in the natural, but in the, in the spiritual it changes. You, you actually, and you are beginning to have an inheritance, um, and He calls you by, by, by who you are in Him. And uh, that is uh, one of the things when you begin to read the Bible, a recurring theme about the Bible is when we are called into Christ, we become uh, like uh, kings and queens with Him. I don't know if you know this, we become royalty. Who likes that? I like that. There's a positive message for you. We become royalty. Now, now who knows that? Uh, who's, who's watched The Crown? I love The Crown. How What a great... Okay, you've got to watch The Crown. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to watch it, but you, you should watch it. It's good. Uh, it's, it's good. But you know, one, of the, one of the themes in that, in that, in that series is, is, is this, this queen who has become the queen, Queen's, Queen Elizabeth, and now she has to act like a queen, right? And there's a whole lot of choices that she has to make in order to be that queen and rule and reign as she was supposed to do. And, and it's, a, it's the same with us. I don't know if you know this already. If you do, you've probably been around in the church for a while. You probably know what this, the Bible's about. But if you don't know this, we, are, we have been chosen to rule and reign with God. Right. And uh, this, this earthly time that we have is training ground for our responsibility in heaven. You know that? You know that? And one of the things that God is, is, is some of the things that we have to overcome in this, in this life with the help of the Holy Spirit who empowers us. Is, is, is stuff like gossip and the taming of this old little thing here. My goodness, who knows 
how hard it is to control this one. Come on. I'm only saying it because I know how good it feels to talk about a subject that you just want to talk about about somebody. Did you know? Rumor has it. So the... Uh, there you are, there it is. The title of this, uh, this sermon is, is, or this next couple of weeks is Rumor Has It. I want you to um, uh, turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to read from verse 36. Uh, and and to, just before I read this, to give you a background on this story, this is just what, um, if you know the story of the Israelites going into the promised land, uh, as they're going into the promised land, before they go into the promised land, this land that God had promised to this group of people called the Israelites, they sent out some scouts to go and see the land. And uh, all but two of the 12 scouts that went out to look at the land were really afraid. All of them were really afraid and uh, they didn't want to take the land. So they made a political move uh, in order to stop Moses from taking the Israelites in. They made a political move, and this was the political move. Uh, who, who knows that we live in a pretty political nation? Yeah. Hey, and we live in a pretty political city. Yeah. This is the business capital of India. And you know what? Let me tell you something. Uh, I, I think because we live in the business capital of India, some of this, the politics and the stuff that, and the environments and our workplaces, it can get on us. Uh, and, and we can very easily slip into the ways of, of the world, not the ways of the kingdom of God. And we have to watch out. And they, this is what they, these guys did. Um, so, so it says in verse 36, So the men uh, Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. What did they do? Did they go to Moses and say, Hey Moses, I don't think we should do this. They didn't do that, did they? Why? Because there was no power in that. There's no use doing that because you're not going to swing anybody by going to the leader and trying to change his mind if he's not going to try and change his mind or if he's not going to change his mind. We know where the power lies. The power lies in the, in the people. So what did they do? They went to the people. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> okay. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land, were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. <laughs> it's a bit raw, isn't it? It's a bit hardcore. This is like, I thought the Bible was all nice and stuff. Well, uh, uh, of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of not a nun, son of none, because that would be weird. Joshua, son of none, and Caleb, son of Jeff Hunnaner. Jeff, let's call him Jeff. Only, only, only Joshua and Jeff, J and G, J and J. Only those two survived, the rest of them were wiped out. Why, 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 that's a bit full on, isn't it? Hands up if you think that's a bit full on. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I get shocked. And how cut and dry God is. Like, we just hope that God would have this gray area. Like, come on, God, you know, you're, you're gray area, you know. There's no gray area. It's like they were wiped out because they spoke against and they grumbled against God's plan. It wasn't, it wasn't, and I've heard this kind of sort of sermon 
or this kind of scripture talked about in a way that, you know, oh, if you talk about the leaders, then God's going to wipe you out and all of that sort of stuff. Like, no, you're missing the point if you make it about that. It's not about that. It was about what God had for the people. And Moses was just one of the people in God's story that God was using in order for them to go into what God had for them. It's the same as us as a church. There is a, there is a, there is a story for us that God has written that as we go in together, it's not about Ryan and Rachel uh, and, and how amazing we are, although Rachel is amazing. Uh, it's not about that, it's about us hearing God and pushing forward. And see, these people did not want to accept what God had for them. They were, they were too afraid. So they made a political move and they, 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 they spread a rumour. And here's the thing about that rumour. It thwarted the very hand of God and the people whom God wanted to go into the promised land never did the people that God had made everything possible who had been faithful to them through everything I mean if you read the story of of the of the Israelites coming out of the land of Egypt and all God did for them up to that point he had provided and provided and provided why would he stop providing for them if he had provided for them so far but they got into this fear and said you know what we can't do this I've had enough of this following God thing we're going to make our own way and it cost them everything now these sorts of things are a warning for us as a people as a group, one of the things that, 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 that is a, a real risk point for churches is, is, is the fact that they are a group of people. <laughs> Far easier to have some sort of internet-based thing where my teaching goes out and, you know, I never get to meet anyone and they never get to meet me and all of those sorts of things. It's, it's a lot easier than actually creating a church. Because when you start getting people together, what happens? Well, such and such finds out about such and such. And this person finds out about that person. And then the, hey, did you know that such and such drives a such and such? And this person said that and blah, 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 blah. Oh, really? Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. Ooh. And, and that starts to happen as a culture. And guess what happens? Your leader's out the front. God's out the front saying, we're going here. And everyone's like, oh, no. Blah, blah. And you get this culture and it thwarts everything. You know, gossip and slander has the power to stop the hand of God. We can see it in the Bible and we will see it today if we're not careful. That's why we're talking about this. Okay. So, so how, 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 why, why, is, why has gossip got so much power? Well, there's, there's other scriptures about it. I mean, check this out in Proverbs. And, and Proverbs, I might add, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. Proverbs was written in preparation. It was actually, a, it, was, it, was, it was like teaching material for, for, for people who would be in the court of the king. And it was training for people who would be in the court of the king for royalty. Do you understand? For the young men who were trained up. And he had all of this great teaching, Book of Wisdom, it's called. And uh, here's what it says about gossip, 18 verse 8. This is the warning to these, train, these, these kings in training. It says, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. You know when you eat a really, really, really well-made roti? 
It's just got the right amount of ghee on it. I'm just going to make your, all your mouths water. And it's just been cooked perfect, perfect, and it's like hot still. It's not gone cold yet. And you eat that thing and it just tastes so good. It changes your life for a few moments. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's like gossip. You know that feeling? You're like, oh, man, that feels, gossip feels good. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Why was God so extreme back with the Israelites? And why did he do that? Well, number one, he loves his people. He loves his people and he will protect his people. And one of the ways that he will protect his people is through the eradication of gossip and slander. Let me tell you something. When you stand in the place of a gossiper or in the, in the place of a slanderer, you're standing in a really, really dangerous part, in a really, really dangerous place, even if it's about one person who is in the kingdom of God. Be careful. There is enough warnings throughout the Bible to be fearful. And, and why? Because God's an angry God and He wants to wipe people. No, because He will protect those whom He loves. And that's you and I. And God, I think God knows the power of gossip. Gossip can ruin a person's life. Gossip can ruin a person's reputation. You spread a lie about someone. and we, we, How many times? We just recently saw it about a guy called Ravi Zacharias. A girl... Uh, sent him an email uh, with some, some expletive pictures of herself and he didn't respond to it. And he, unfortunately, uh, an email before had responded to this person off her website or whatever. It's like a really long story. And she got on it and they tried to get mo extract money out of him by saying, you know, all of these lies. And, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, what did Ravi Zacharias do? You know, what did he do? And it's like, he didn't do anything. But gossip can ruin things. There's a lot of power and slander. A lot. A lot. You can, you can, you can change a person's life. Why, does, why is God so extreme about slander and, slander and gossip? Because slander is an abuse of power. We all have it. Every one of us has the ability with these things to actually go and wipe someone's future out. And God knows it. He knows the power of gossip. So, <laughs> it gets, it, oh, I don't want to, you're getting quiet. You all right? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. As I said, you know, we have to talk about these things, and I like to talk about the more positive things, but I want you to grow also. I mean, check this out, check this out. I mean, like, it, yeah, I'll say, I'll, I'll say nice things later. Thanks, Rohan, for believing in me not slandering me. I mean, check this out. Proverbs, again, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. Check this out. This is the Bible. I didn't say it. A gossip betrays confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. A gossip betrays confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. Ouch! <laughs> There's people taking photos of that. That's awesome. <laughs> 
You know, with a gossip, you know, you, know, you know when there's a talker in the room. I mean, on one hand, we want to listen to them, but on the other hand, we think, Flip, I better protect myself from them because I know that they're going to talk about me too. And, and that's the truth. You're like, all of a sudden, you're on guard. Now, this is another thing about this church, this community we're in. If there's everybody going around and they get, catch wind or get the idea that, oh my gosh, everyone's talking about everyone over there. Well, what, do you think they're going to feel comfortable? We need, to, we need to be allergic to gossip. Allergic. Because it will destroy what we're trying to do. And uh, it's powerful. Avoid them? Well, you know, that's a bit extreme, but I don't know. Maybe we need to help them. Maybe we need to talk about them and uh, talk about them, talk <laughs> to, about them, about it to them. Getting my words all mixed up. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. I've got a lot of scripture on this because I, I really don't want to be talking about my own opinions on this. But um, the Bible's opinion on it in 1 Corinthians. And uh, when, I read about, when I read the book of Corinthians 1 and 2, uh, I think the, the, the culture in Corinth actually uh, is the best parallel to the culture in Mumbai that we live in. If, we, if you read it, um, the people of Corinth were a lot like, so I'm going to let that, you, you can read through it and you'll see the parallels, there's some parallels. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> anyway, you'll see it. Um, but Paul says to these people in Corinth, who, and, and you know, the crazy thing about Corinth is, is they'd had a great move of God, this church was fresh and new and tons and tons of people were meeting Jesus and coming to know Jesus and all of that. But Paul was so busy, he had to travel all over the world at that point, and he, he could only disciple them by writing letters, and he'd put leaders in place. So this is one of those letters that he sends to, to them, and he says to them, because some word had got back to him, that there was, a bit of a, there was a bit of division amongst them, and there was a bit of talking going on, there's a bit of gossip and slander, and he says this, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Isn't that interesting? Now, could you imagine a place like that? Could you imagine a group of people that are completely united in mind and thought, that actually have worked out their differences and worked out their stuff in order for everybody in the church to be protected? Could you imagine that kind of safety? That is what God is actually planning for us. And you know, when we talk about our vision, you know, to know God, to love people and to live our purpose. When we talk about that vision we have, it's only going to be created. We're only going to be able to create it if it's a place of safety where people can come in and know that they are safe. A person will instantly feel unsafe if they hear any, get any wind of, of gossip. Even if it's they come in and they hear something about someone else, they'll be like, oh, they're going to talk about me too. So I'm just going to guard myself here because this is like everywhere else that I've ever been in the whole wide world. It's no different. 
We don't want people thinking that. Anybody want people to think? We're wasting time by, by being like that if we are like that. And I'm not advocating that we are. It's just something that we need to be careful of. You okay with me? Yeah. Huh, James chapter 3. Now, James also talks about this a lot. And uh, basically what James boils it down to is a miscontrol of the tongue. And, and if I can bring it back to the thought of us being trained up as kings and queens to rule and reign with God, he is, he is training us. And, and you know, I, I think that uh, the tongue is one of the first places that we need to get self-control of. Because it actually, well, I'm going to show you why. It's uh, chapter 3. Let's read it. I've got a bit to read here, so I'm going to race on through it. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Oh, how many people have you met that just it's like are you my teacher i don't know i'm not sure i thought we were just friends you know what i'm saying like you're like are you teaching me uh, uh sometimes in connect groups it's funny it's like you ask a question then you've been taught by 20 people it's like oh hold on a sec i i was just it's just sharing my heart <laughs> not, not 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 many of you should become teachers my fellow believers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly Anybody want to? Anyway, I'm just going to pray for church planners right now. Uh, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, that's, nice to, that's a nice thing to say, James, before you get into the real heavy stuff. But that's good, actually, because it's like he's, 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 he's like, okay, I know how hard this is. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, okay? So, so, but then he says this, he, he, he gives some parables, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or, you'll like this uh, analogy, Gorov, it's about ships. Uh, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, or steam engines now, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. I like that. The tongue also is a fire, small fire. A world of evil is among, among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the course of one's life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell. Wow, that's, wow. Okay. But this is a harsh warning because of what's at stake. Because there's a lot of power in the tongue. And we need to, we need to rein that thing in. All kinds of animals... Birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how much money you got doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a professor, doctor, 
psychologist, whatever it is that you might be, the, all the dips and dabs and things behind your name, doesn't matter. No person can tame the tongue. Isn't that interesting? Oh, no, no, I've got it under control, Ryan. So you're the only one that the Bible, you want to argue with the Bible about that? It's interesting, right? But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Well, can it? No, it can't. Or a grapevine bear figs. Neither can salt spring, can a salt spring produce fresh water. And he asks this question, James. He says to the people he's writing to, who is wise and understanding among you? Oh man, there is a lot of people around who would like to show you how wise and how understanding they are. Right? And, and James, he makes it real in the church environment. He makes it really real. He gives us the code that which we can follow because there is, a, I mean, let me tell you something. You walk into this place, into any church, there's going to be people around who will try to show you how wise and understanding they are. Well, he, he, he says, this is, this, is, this, is, this is the algorithm which, to which you are to follow. This is the code to which you are to look for. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice." But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a good harvest. Now, I just read out like, I mean, James just drops the atomic bomb. He's like, ba-boom. I was like, You've got to read that a few times and let that sink into your heart to actually understand what's going on in that scripture. He is speaking to every one of us. Every one of us. How do we, how do we, how do we be that pure spring that he's talking about? That bursts forth fresh water, not salt water. You ever got a gulp of salt water when you're down in Goa? You jumped in the ocean and the wave dumps you and you're like, oh, I'm not used to the wave dumping me. And you get a dump, uh, like a, just a mouthful of salt water. You're like, that tastes disgusting. You get a mouthful of fresh water, it's amazing. It's like, that tastes refreshing. We want to be that pure spring. We want to be that church that is a pure spring for our community. We don't want to be a salt water spring. Looks good, but when you jump in and taste it, you're like, ah, oh, salty. And we, we, we want to be peacemakers, like in verse 18 there, peacemakers who sow in peace. And, 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 and guess what? The benefit for the peacemaker is a harvest of righteousness. Anybody here want a harvest of righteousness? 
Bring it on. I want a harvest of righteousness. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. There's a lot of benefits for being righteous, for being made whole. And one of the things that we need to do and be aware of and watch is our tongue. Because if we don't, we actually are sowing a harvest that will come up and be unrighteous. And it will affect us in many, many ways. So what do we have to do? Okay, I'm going to finish up now. What do we have to do? How do we, with all of this information I've just given you, I've just dumped it on you, I've made you feel a little, you know, like worried about yourself. And so it's okay. It's okay. This is, this is us growing. This is us pushing forward. This is us creating a church that actually can make a difference in the community. There's a few things I want to leave with you to help you understand and help you to walk through life well, especially when you're presented with information about a person. Now, let's be real. There will be moments, and it, whether it be in... Now, oh, just before I say all of this, this, this all counts for our workplace as well. I just, I just want to put that out there. I'm not just talking about us in the church and all of those scriptures. It's like, yes, I'm going to follow all of that in church, you know, but uh, actually uh, in the workplace, well, that's different. You know, I'm going to slander, I'm going to use that power, I'm going to use that because it's going to get me to, you know. God, He sees all of that, okay, and we need to be aware and prayerful and and submitted to the Holy Spirit on those sorts of matters. But we will come come up with moments where we are presented with sin in other people, okay? We will be presented in church where such and such is doing something that we feel may be wrong. Or, 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 there, or, or there may be something that challenges us about another person. Um, and one of the questions that we need to ask when we see something that challenges us or makes something well up on the inside of us, the first question we need to ask is, well, is what they're doing sin? Is what they're doing, what they are doing, is it sin? Because the answer could sometimes be, well, no. You know, they, they came to church in a really, really, really expensive car, car and I just didn't realize that they were so rich. I, I just didn't realize. And, and, and I'm, I'm challenged by that, you know. I didn't realize they're so rich. How dare they be so rich when I'm so poor? Okay? Now, is it a sin to be rich? No. No. It's a sin to, to love money. But it's not a sin to, to be rich. Okay? But how often have we heard, oh, you know, have you, he, he just travels too much. You know, he's, going, he's, off in the, he's off in the Alps and then he's off in the things and then he's off over there. He just travels too much. You know, really? Really? That's jealousy. We need to ask the question, is it sin? And if the answer is no, then we need to look at our own hearts and go, what is it in me that I'm uncomfortable about right now? What is it in me that I'm actually struggling with right now? Oh, you know, he shouldn't be up there preaching because blah, 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 blah. 
maybe there's something in us. Maybe it's something that we're struggling with. And uh, in those moments, whether it's something in us or something in them, we need to do the second thing, and that is to remember the gospel. You need to wash yourself in the gospel every single day, whether you've been a Christian for all of your life, 50, 70, 80 years, or day one. And the gospel is this, that Jesus gave His life so that we could be made pure before God and accepted by Him. The anti-gospel is, I make myself right before God so that He accepts me. That is the opposite of the gospel. That is the opposite of the gospel. So if there is a person who is in sin and you can see it and you've forgotten the gospel and you're on the anti-gospel side of things where you're saying, I made myself right with God, look at me, I'm so good and look at them. They're so bad. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to be the attitude of your heart. And it'll come out, it'll look like pride, it will be pride, and it'll look yucky, and it will not sow a a good harvest. But if you remember the gospel when you see sin, in another person you say, oh, you know, look at such and such. Okay, they've got this going on. But I remember how faithful my God is, and I remember all of the stuff that I'm struggling with, even right now, And I remember the past I've had and what God has saved me out of. Thank God He has saved me. And I know He's going to save them too. Understand, there's a marked difference. Marked difference. Remember the gospel. And then um, Matthew chapter 18, verse uh, 15 to 17, there's a great little uh, snippet that Jesus talks about. and we, and we use this as a, as a kind of a, an outline for conflict management in the church. He says this, he says, um, uh, If a brother or sister sins, um, go and point out their fault just between the whole church. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Put it in the newspaper because you're better than them. Look at them, I'm better. No. Just between the two of you. If your brother or sister sins, go and point it out. Go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. Having first, I'll just add this in, remembered the gospel and how much you've been saved from. If they listen to to, to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along. Now those one or two others need to be people who are following an an example of Christ and, you know, mature Christians, not just like randoms. I brought these people to muscle in on you to make me look powerful. That's not not what, you know, there's people that are going to help them. Take one or two along with you, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Wow, okay, so he's basically, he, he steps it out. Now, why would, we, why would we take it to the church? Well, if they've gotten to the point where the this, this sin is affecting everyone and everything, and it's like everyone's wondering what's going on, 
At some point, you kind of have to come up with a dialogue so that otherwise, you know, it can look bad and people are always down on what they're not up on. So you have to explain things. But I think a lot of the time, what tends to happen is we, we totally just skip the first step. And uh, we don't go to that person. In fact, we just go to everyone else straight away. And you know what? It harms that person. But let's just go back to the message about gossip and slanderer. Even if that person is wrong, if you are standing in the place of a slanderer, you yourself are standing in what is clearly defined as sin. You understand? So you need to be really careful. And I would, I would, if, you're, if you're new to this faith, if you're walking, just started walking with Jesus, I just want to say to you, get some advice on this. I, I'm happy to advise you. Do not go to everyone and just begin talking. Oh, you know, because you are going to, you, you, I mean, that's just dangerous turf. You don't want to be there. And God sees it. And it has the power to destroy our community. It really does. It has the power to just rip it all apart. And we don't want that. Anybody want that? No. Okay. I don't want that. So go to them first. You know, just before this snippet that Jesus gives, we won't look at it now, but he talks about, just before this, he talks about the, um, this, this, the, the parable of the lost sheep, that Jesus would go, leave the 99 for the one. And I think they're connected because the 99 is the one who is in sin. Do you understand? The 91, and, and, and this is, Jesus is looking at that one who has been left in sin. And he is looking to us as his people to help that person come out of it. You understand? But what happens is we, oh, did you hear about this? And man, we, we, just, we just destroy stuff. Now, having said that, there are sometimes if you need advice on these sorts of things, it's okay to go to a mature Christian and just say, listen, I'm, this is what's happening. What would you do? You know, and you need to be watching and listening to what they're saying to help you walk through these things well. Um, I just want to leave you with this scripture, my last scripture of today. It's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And this is, a one, this is the one. So this was my four points of application. Is it sin? One. Number two, remember the gospel. Number three, remember Matthew 18, 15 to 17, which is a, which is a good uh, way of dealing with conflict. Number four is this one, um, uh, 4 verse 18. Oh, 4 verse 8, sorry, yeah. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers. I just want to leave you with this last thing. Cover. Cover. Don't expose. Your temptation will be to expose. We all struggle with it because there's power. Especially if you yourself have got things in your world that you're working through and some failures in your world that make you feel small. There is something in our human will that is not of God that sees that opportunity to exploit another in order to make ourselves look good. That's not love. Love covers.
Love covers. We are people who cover. We are people who cover sin. Now, do we cover it up? No, that's not what I'm saying. We don't cover it up. We help that person, but we cover that person so that they can be in the community with dignity and hope for their future, not embarrassed, not feeling like they're all, you know, ruined. We don't want that for anybody. We are not about that. And you know what? When, when we are a community that doesn't cover sin, but just is constantly exposing other sins, you know what happens when sin in a person is hidden and they don't feel safe to actually expose themselves to leaders and, and, and those who have been put into their, their worlds to actually help them grow. They're just going to have more and more sin growing in their world because it's all under covers. Have you ever left a potato in the, in the cupboard? You ever left a potato in the cupboard? You seen a potato that's been left in the cupboard? It just grows into this big ugly monster that stinks. They stink. I hate, I hate that smell. You know? <laughs> Smelly potatoes. Like, it like, looks like this little green monster that sort of a, appeared. And, and that's how sin, when we cover it in ourselves because we feel unsafe to around the community that we're in because everyone's just exposing each other and everyone's talking and everyone's doing this. You know, what happens is all of a sudden we've got all of this sin in our community. That's what happens to churches. And people aren't overcoming stuff because they're so scared of each other. But God has put us together for us to grow, to cover each other, to help each other through, to pray through. And you know, at times you will be challenged by the sin of the other people because maybe you won't struggle through some of the things that they're struggling through. Oh my gosh, so, so since I've started this church, there's been moments where I'm like, I don't even know how to deal with that sin. I don't even know what that's about. I've never even experienced that kind of thing, but I'm going to stand with you. You understand? Love covers. Love covers. covers. Is it sin? Remember the gospel. Deal with the conflict biblically and cover cover and you will see people rise and grow and a great harvest of righteousness will begin to appear in this church and our light will shine brighter than any of the advertisements and stuff and all of the things that the world puts out as the answer because people's lives will just be changing C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.